won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, sits and sieves. You've tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 95. It was recorded October 30th and made available for download Tuesday, November 3rd over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we overly complicate a basic fetch quest. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the updates to the flight control model coming with Star Citizen Alpha 2.0, and the latest news regarding its release. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we help keep you culturally sensitive in these stressful times. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sibs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, GuardFrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 an episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody that's made a regular contribution and hope that you continue to do so as we execute a format change starting in episode 101. Stay tuned to the feedback loop for your reactions to that uh, announcement last week. But as always, guys, the more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squad box. Hey, you boys, need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. As we reported here on the Squawk Box, NASA is building the next generation of space vehicles these days. On paper, NASA's rocket will go farther and do more than the current crop of commercial space ferries being developed by the likes of SpaceX, Orbital Sciences, and JetBlue... No, not JetBlue. Blue Sun. No. Blue, Blue Origin? Blue, Blue, Blue Horizon? Whatever the thing is that Jeff Bezos is doing. Uh, but Low Earth Orbit is where the ISS is, and nobody's got moon base fever yet, and Mars is still a long way off. So isn't another government capsule a little redundant? In other words, what exactly do you plan to do around here, NASA? Well, hang on. See, they've asked for specs from the engineers to retrieve a boulder from an asteroid. Specifically, it wants to launch a series of missions to bring home a piece of an asteroid in December 2020. No problem, right? Just shoot a rocket out, scoop up a piece, turn it around, splash down the Pacific. Yeah, no. This proposal reads like a voiceover for one of those overly complicated heist movies where George Clooney has to steal the Eiffel Tower at noon on half-price croissant day in Paris. Okay, gentlemen, here's a little something I threw together based on a play I ran in Geneva back in 98. I call it the ARRM, or Asteroid Redirect Robotic Mission. First, we need to deploy a robotic space probe toward a suitable rock like the 300-meter-wide 2008 EV-5, just as an example. We're going to need to plan for a long, slow trip, so no chemical rockets. We pack the ship full of xenon thrusters. You heard about those, right? Somebody writing this down? We need to get lots of solar panels. Lots of them. Scaffolding. Robotic scaffolding with arms and legs. We're going to need to capture a boulder off the surface of the asteroid. We don't have the fuel to bring the whole rock in, but we just need to deliver a taste to the customer. So, we launch the probe on a two-year mission to the rock. 
it orbits, it maps, it picks out a nice little chunk. We send the scaffold down, we lock up the stash tight, we lift it back off, but we don't leave right away. No, no. Time for a little misdirection. We'll use the gravity generated by the probe and the rock to pull the mother asteroid off course just enough to prove we can do it. You gotta rack up the style points and show all the other asteroids out there that we ain't like the dinosaurs. Hell no. They want to wipe us out? They're gonna have to try harder. Okay, the robot takes off for home, but not home home. No, 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 no. We put it in a long distance retrograde orbit around, wait for it, the moon. It's the last thing anybody would expect, right? Okay, finally, this is my favorite part. Okay, then we finally launch an Orion capsule to the probe because this is absolutely the best part. Hang on, here it goes. There was a docking collar attached to the probe the whole time. We sent the collar up two years before we needed it. Brilliant. Okay, so we dock, we sample, we fly home, then we splash down to the Pacific. Round trip, 24 days tops. We don't go to the asteroid, people. We bring the asteroid to us. Sorry, what? Yeah, I know. It's insanely complicated, isn't it? This is the asteroid retrieval mission that NASA has up on its uh, whiteboard. That is one crazy trip. I know! That's what I said. But this is this is legitimately what they're planning to do. And, and, and you have to think about it, too. They're packing, like, six demonstration missions into two launches, right? They want to prove they can stop an asteroid by just using gravity, you know, the tractor gravity thing. They don't need to nuke it like in the movies. They're also trying to uh, prove that we can intercept small objects and then acquire them for processing, right? We can get them for ores and minerals and mine resources in space. And then we're going to do some, you know, lunar orbit docking. They're going to pack a lot of demonstration into these two launches. Well, good luck to them, genuinely, because that sounds like a crazy, crazy plan. But if anybody's likely to pull it off, it's probably going to be NASA. There is one thing about this whole article, though, that kind of goes off at a tangent that I really want to bring up. And you said nobody's got moon base fever, but the European Space Agency and the Russians are actually in collaboration to build a base on the dark side of the moon. I think we're going there to look for Nazis. I'm not certain. You guys have this thing with the Nazis. Yeah, well, it's like they—it's like they rampaged all over your continent or something. Martin Landau's already got—I mean, the, the the British already did this with with Moonbase Alpha. There's going to be an explosion, and it's going to knock the moon out of orbit. We we know this is going to be. Wasn't that supposed to happen in 1999 though? Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but you know what it's like. Jeff probably like looked into his scrying ball, saw what was going to happen in the future. Just was off by a decade or two or three. Yeah, because, two or three. Yeah. I mean, what's a decade to Jeff? Yeah, really. Okay, good point. Good point. But maybe it's all really. Maybe the reason we're building this moon base is because we know that as NASA come back around the moon, they're like, "Well, we can affect the gravity of an asteroid. Let's affect the gravity of the moon." Well, and just give it a nudge. You know that's with that, you know that's why we never went back after all those Apollo missions. You know, they, they did those orbits and they saw the Nazis, the big old Nazi base there with the big <laughs> right. know, swastika yes, coming right. out of the out of the crust of the moon and and said, oh, we're not going there again. Oops. Oops. I, I'm, I'm Oops. sorry. If there's one thing I know about America is that if there are Nazis anywhere, the first thing you would have done is returned with a hell of a load of bombs. <laughs> and so, yeah, sorry. That's that's one conspiracy theory, Jeff. I'm not buying have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. 
Our crowdfunding update for October 30th, 2015 is 93908000 up about 350000 from last week. Star Citizens now number 1.035 millions, up about 5000 from last week. And the UEE fleet has grown another 3,000 ships. Recently, CRG held a subscriber-only edition of Reverse the Verse, which featured a significant portion of the Santa Monica arts team there to answer questions, and the guard was there to listen in. Unfortunately, a lot of their current work relates to Squadron 42, and so they couldn't really divulge any details there. However, they were able to discuss a number of things about concepting timeframes, the tools and software they use, descriptions of which studio are working on which aspects of the art design, and which crayon has the most appealing flavour, which is white, uh, apparently. In the process of covering all that, the status of work on various ships was revealed. So, first up, the updated Constellation Andromeda is the focus of most of the Santa Monica team and is going to be released with Star Citizen Alpha 2.0 along with the Retaliator. However, variants will be delayed until the other ships are made flyable. The Freelancer is getting a new concept pass for the interior and the exterior in the UK. It will not be in 2.0 initial release. The Starfarer is in Greybox in the UK and Zane is actively working on the UI. The Sabre is also being white-boxed here in the UK. The Cartoon All Xeon Scout is being reconcepted in the UK to establish a culture base for all the other Xeon ships. Avenger variants are being worked, quote, on in the UK. Progress and priority of the work is unclear. Dan Kaminsky has been actively working on the Herald interiors. Archimedes renders are complete. The Crucible interior art is being worked on. And finally, work on the Prowler to commence after Reliant variants are done, which should be soon. TM. The one thing that I am disappointed about in this whole thing, though, is the Freelancer is not going to be in the initial release of 2.0. I don't think that it's really going to get the early design love. I mean, it's not going to be an integral part of Squadron 42, as far as I can see. Yeah. Um, It's not something that needs to happen for any sort of proof of concepting. You know, the, the, the modules and the technology they're going to use for that ship is going to be in other ships so it gets pushed to the back of the line i know but it's the freelancer ah i know i know he's one of the original ships too i mean i again part of the tension part of the i'm sure difficult discussions behind the scenes you know all hands on deck let's get squadron 42 out the door i'm sure that's the strategy now i'm sure that's the the idea and again development timelines change when you're doing it you know it's like this the priorities are going to shift even those freelancers one of the original sort of four backer ships priorities they got they got it i gotta move it back yeah, I, I do like the discussion that's being sported here but effectively i was just being a spoiled brat because i want to fly it now wow but yeah well i can be a spoiled brat too you want me to be a spoiled brat I'll, yeah I'll spoiled yeah go brat. for it we can we can all do it i think that if i had a, a crybaby moment about what i was really missing i would say that i would really like to know more about this is gonna sound stupid i would like to know more about the economy I mean, I know that has nothing to do with Squadron 42 either, but neither does Freelancer, so I figure I can I can yeah. worry about that. I'm more I'm I'm really interested in the in the in-game economy, so that that would be my crybaby moment. Yeah, hopefully, but we don't need that for Squadron 42. So no, and and also I don't think the artists are going to be dealing with the economy um, unless they're selling knockoff uh, excellent that's releases. A, that's a good point. Yeah, but they have to draw them the cash register or the money. Well, that is true. That is true. Stuff like that. Yeah. That is true. But I feel we're kind of stretching the the boundary between what artists yeah, we are, are we really responsible are. for. Yeah, we're um, this. Okay, so we'll go ahead and move on. 
I did actually like this format for Reverse the Verse where they got a specific team of people in. I feel that, though, for the first one that they tried to do this with, which is with the artists, it was kind of a bit weird to get a load of people in that they knew were working on Squadron 42, which they know is going to drop imminent, to answer questions, because then they effectively went out there and said, we're here to talk about whatever you like, as long as you ask us nothing, because we can't talk about (laughs) anything we're doing. So The stuff you want to know about is... Not a subject of discussion. Yeah, it was it was a very much like a, a free form ten further sort of style thing, and in my opinion, it just worked a, a lot better than the curated versions. I think because we just got a, a lot more meat and insight and quick off the cuff answers, which really helped. I think you're suggesting for version two, they get a group of people in there that can actually talk about what they're working on. Yeah, yeah, that too. Okay, yeah. good, good constructive suggestion. I like that. Adding to the slew of information being teased ahead of Star Citizen 2.0, CIG's put up a design post going over the flight model changes that will be introduced. The first thing they cover is flight mode selections that Chris mentioned at CitizenCon, precision mode for precise maneuverings and landing, space combat maneuvering, or how we're flying right now, and cruise mode for traveling faster at the expense of being able to turn much, and of course, then finally, quantum travel. Cruise mode, by the way, is apparently how objectively slower ships will get away from ambushes by faster ships. Because cruise mode course changes drastically alter your eventual destination, slower ships are supposed to clear the flight path, jump to cruise mode, and then do evasive cruising to escape their attackers. They also make a point of noting that decoupled flight is still available in cruise mode. The point of that is to allow a pilot to reverse the orientation of their ship and use the main engines for braking. Left out of all this is the very important fact that Accelerate to Attack Speed will be a valid command to issue in Star Citizen, though in reality it will probably be Decelerate to Attack Speed. The first new change that's described is boost in the SCM flight mode being given an afterburner capability. The written description is a bit vague, but fortunately it was cleared up thanks to Pete McKay in Around the Verse. Top speed in the new flight model will be determined based on a ship's mass and its acceleration. The afterburner will increase the ship's acceleration, which will therefore actually increase the ship's top speed. However, the boost functionality we have now, where you can regain a static top speed faster, will still be an option. Pilots will choose which version they want to use on the fly. After that, the post goes into very, very granular detail about modifications to the flight model programming. So, if you're interested in terms such as third order motion control system, by level control system, rate of change of acceleration, and thruster error, be sure to check out the details. For the rest of us, they warn that the handling of all ships in a, in a commander will be noticeably different. Ships advertised as having different performance profiles, such as racing ships versus luxury cruisers, should have a different feel, and how they handle after the change. Also, main engines should have more significant effect on the speed and handling of the ships, since the main engines will be shunting thrust to maneuvering nozzles on other parts of the ship, rather than the maneuvering thrusters being independent engines. They acknowledge that all the changes will instantly create epic debate threads and ask for patience as they work on finalizing the balance. Oh, rage. Okay. Outrage. No, I'm, outrage. I'm outrage, I say. No, actually, I kind of like this. Well, it does bring to something that I thought basically was mostly, especially this last part about main engines and thrusters and how you divert, you know, uh, thrust or, or power from a main engine to the maneuvering thrusters and or how they coincide, or you split the power between them, so you may not be going so fast as you're as you're uh, maneuvering. It was more in line with what I had 
envisioned. Yeah, I, I kind of like the I kind of like the change. I'm worried about a couple of things. Number one, um, we know that uh, supposedly all the components that are in the you know ship design system are actually physically sort of rendered in the ship model. Are they going to have to redesign the guts of all the ships to handle the uh, thrust pipes that are going to go to all the uh, maneuvering ports? I think if you were to ask Chris, the answer would be yes. I think if you were to ask the designers and the programmers, it would probably involve a little bit of hand-waving magic as to, you know, bioneural gel packs or something like that for how the system now translates. I wouldn't be surprised to see it eventually, but I think that with the amount that they've got to do in the time frame that they've left themselves to do it, I wouldn't be surprised if this is something that just gets put in and then after the fact we get to see it redesigned with more gribbly bits. Part of the post was, though, that it went into a lot of detail about how that if your hull gets punctured in the wrong place, you might have uncontained thrust. Right. You remember that bit in Battlestar Galactica, the very first one, where they had thrusters locked open and they were in an uncontrolled lateral spin? Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing that they, the detail that they went into on the post and said that, you know, you get your pipes punctured and you might have some maneuvering problems. You might have to shut down a thruster because the line to the thruster has sprung a leak. So you can't use that thruster anymore because you got to shut off the flow of, of plasma or whatever it is that they're using to, yeah. to do it. I thought this was great. Uh, all this changes and... and uh, Love and the I, system. I think it's fantastic. My, the real question that came to my mind when I was reading this was, is this one more thing they're putting in to delay the game? Yeah. Or is this that something that could, you know, like, let's take Star Trek Online, for example. How many times have they changed it after release? How many modifications right. have they made to the gameplay after release? Is this one of those things that that is just, you know, is it is it dooming the, the release date of all this? Because I, for one, think that the flight model we have right now is not so bad that we can't play with it till release and then let them change this after the fact. I was never a huge fan of the flight model. I mean, I, let me put it this way. I, I like the flight model to the extent that it lets you do cool Battlestar Galactica type things. That's a lot of fun. But I thought that it had stepped, I thought it had made compromises with the whole real world physics thing to achieve some sort of gameplay goals that I thought, eh, you could sacrifice those. For example, a fixed top speed for each ship. I thought that was kind of stupid. If the whole point is to, supposed to be able to customize your ship and be able to do different things with it, that top speed should be flexible. And with this new system, it is, because it's based on, hey, physics, force, mass, acceleration. Hello, how you doing? This is wonderful. I like that the changes have been made, but like you, Jeff, I just worry that unless this has been a change in the works and has been communicated and propagated to the art department, to the modelers, to the team coming up with the thruster balances, you know, the designers that are supposed to say a T3 does this, a T4 does this, it has this operating range. Unless this has been in the works for a long time and propagated throughout the entire company as a work in progress months ago, this is a problem <laughs> if they're doing this now at this late date. I don't think that that's actually the case. I don't think it is going to end up delaying it because I think that one of the things when they switch to the large universe model of the 64-bit, the whole point of that was to have these massive maps, which instantly means if your ship can only go 200 metres a second and you've got a 2 billion kilometres squared, uh, or kilometre cubed rather, playfield, then... You know, right from the minute they made that decision, the first thing that they would have to figure out is how are we going to make everybody get around? We know that the point two C has been a planned feature for the longest time now, and so I'm fairly certain that all of this would have been 
in the back of the designer's mind and would have even bits of it would have been made. Oh, Jeff and I are more worried about the maneuvering of the ships, not the not the travel modes. Right. I'm with you on the travel modes. Right. Then. Yeah, I think but I think Jeff and I are talking about the maneuvering system, the actual rotating my ship and, and changing pitch and yaw and roll. That's the stuff I'm worried about. See, the way they got it now is that uh, there's a separate engine that gives you your forward momentum and there are separate motors, so to speak, that give you your maneuverability with the different thrust engines. So now they're talking about a single engine and having systems that redirect that power, so to speak, between your forward motion and your maneuverability. That requires a, a change throughout the entire ship's in the way that they're designed and the back the back end. So one ship may handle great under this model, but another ship may need other tweaks. Yeah, and Lennon said that they might try to employ some hand wavium on that one, maybe. But Lennon, you also said if Chris Roberts said, no, we can't do hand wavium, then we're not doing hand wavium. The other thing that you've got to bear in mind here is that there is in video games, thankfully, a distinction between what is graphically represented and what the code is doing. In the background, the code could be completely transferring main thrust to the thruster nozzles. I don't know what to call the maneuvering jets now, but you know. I believe I believe that their nicknames are MAVs. Okay. I believe that they stand for something, but I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, it takes the, you know, the code in the background takes a percentage of your available power number mm. and transfers it to the MAVs and so on. The yeah. graphics don't necessarily have to represent that because we could, you know, swap out the main graphic for the Hornet and be flying a banana. It would make no sense, but it is actually a possibility. Possibility. It would still like behave and handle the same because the code wouldn't have changed, but the graphical look is different. And I think that if you were to ask Chris, the graphics would need to match what the code is doing. So you would need to see, you know, a big chunky yes. pipe carrying the plasma. I think for the purposes of gameplay, that's the kind of hand wavium that I was talking about. Make sure the code can do it. Give enough of a graphical change to give feedback to the user about what it is that you're doing so you know when you move your ship when you pitch it or you it or roll it that the jet does fire and give like a graphical effect to show that that is being right. used it doesn't necessarily have to graphically transition from the main engine through if you if you see what i'm getting at there and i think code changes are actually one of the easier things to pull off in this instance. It's usually the art pipeline that will slow down an idea. Programmers can usually just go through things and yes. and knock things out really quick. So I right. think that in this instance, that's where you're going to see that come into play and that actually the graphics will be retrofitted. Whereas if you'd ask Chris, it would be the other way around. Yeah, but and that's what that's. I think we're all on the same page. Our, our concern is that the knock-on effects of, because everything's so tightly integrated, the, the code has to match what the what the user is seeing, and it also has to be physically possible for that to happen sort of, quote, in the game universe. Ammunition has to fit inside a drum, and that drum has to mount on the wing, you know. Yeah, but not only that, let's talk about the damage effects. You said, like, Battlestar-esque, the damage, I mean, they've done a great detail on damage, especially the damage effects in here. Now you're talking about puncturing a pipe and... Yeah, that pipe's got to be somewhere. Right. And now you've got to code all that into the, not only graphically, but also in the code as well. I, I think it's far more complex than you really think it is. Yeah. And sort of to, as a, to back off this a little bit, I believe that the, the feel I got from the report was that fuel rupture line thing may be something reserved for the bigger ships. That may be something reserved for the larger ships. Maybe like on the size of a Hornet, 
you know, we'll hand wave it because the pipes are really too small to hit. Ha ha. You wouldn't be able to damage them because they're so short and they're, they're, you know, there's not a lot of distance between the main engine and the maneuvering thruster. They may hand wave it that way. I think in order to get it deployed in a timely fashion, something's got to get hand waved and that's going to probably cause some concerns somewhere in the uh, development architecture. And the last bit of news dropped this week was the semi-regular development update, again centred on Star Citizen Alpha 2.0. The developers say at this point they're working on polishing updates and are avoiding major changes to the codebase to maintain stability. The major blocker they focus on is a global performance issue they still haven't locked down, which is apparently causing game crashes along with a lot of frame rate issues. For FPS elements, still in 2.0, Star Marine is now on the back burner until that release. They've determined that the light marine armor, RSI helmet, two med pens, helmet, EVA jets, and arc light laser pistol will be default loadout for all players adventuring on the Crusader map. Those elements have been added to the build. Finally, a tidbit hidden in the list of detailed updates, they've declared the Constellation, Retaliator, and Cutlass Black to be flight ready. Unfortunately, their blockers list notes that None of the multi-crew ships are actually spawning. Also, the AI are currently armed with weapons that destroy the entire universe when they are fired. Um, well, that means the game crashes. The devs have acknowledged this is slightly overpowered. Of course, the post has a long list of details on their progress and the remaining blockers. We encourage listeners to check it out through the link in the show notes. More of the same. Performance issues, crashes, weapons that destroy the universe. That's a new one. Yeah, do you think we can buy those in Cubby Blast? I probably, I would hope so. I would want a universe-ending weapon. That's that's something I want to be sure to load out on all my ships. Do you think that's cheating to get away from a PvP match if you end the universe? Well, I don't know. I've watched enough Doctor Who, and that tends to happen regularly. So that's true. You know, just put a bit of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff in it, and I'm sure we can end the universe at any time. And it's fine because we can just reset it, and it'll be back ready for next week. Steering the conversation back to Star Citizen, just a touch, if I may. The FPS elements that they said that are coming out. So we're going to be getting all this armor. We're going to be getting the EVA jets, obviously, because we want an EVA and a laser pistol. Do you think that we're actually still going to be able to, as they did? on the demo like nick people's ships because i've yet to see anything that's effectively said we've made it so that only you can have the keys to your ship or or that sort of thing do you reckon there'll be a lot of ship theft going on in the mini persistence no i kind of doubt it i mean that that whole theft and change of ownership thing it depends on having a lot of permanence in the server system and i think that that's probably still a ways off when when i log out everything that is on my account despawns right and it all disappears and then when i log back in it all sort of gets created again i think that that's going to be the standard for a while until some sort of you know permanence system is is really truly on you may respawn with the damage you took the last time you logged off but i think that for a while anyway when you log out it's not like your ship is going to stay logged in i think you've actually kind of brought up two good points there one that's actually going to be a really good thing to test if we're all on a constellation and it's your constellation and you log off and we're in space where do we go that'll be quite interesting to find out (laughs) and two wasn't the persistent update one of those ones that chris mentioned was supposed to be coming kind of before star marine which was going to enable us to save loadouts on Arena Commander, even. Yeah, there were, like, code names for yeah, things. Yeah, like there was... Um, Shemalama and Sibilance. And yeah. Where the f*** is the persistence module? I, I, that's a great question. Yeah. But I'm not going to devote an entire segment to that. Aww. But, you know, it's a good question. <laughs> I, we, I appreciate you asking it. And now let's move on. So now it's time for news we didn't use.
10 for the Producers, Episode 12. Learn what Eric and Darian wanted to be when they grew up. Plain Truth, Bishop's Betrayal was the Vega attack an inside job. Portfolio Interdimension Software learned the oddly familiar history of one of the UEE's biggest game developers. Around the Verse, Season 2, Episode 5. Interview about the flight model, the sounds of the star mat, and a Subin explosion on Mars. Also, Ben's hair. And very briefly, this week's hazard index is Rhesus Monkey. According to comments on DS's blog, he's waiting for CIG to blow the November 2015 deadline to either release Squadron 42 or offer no-questions-asked refunds to the original Kickstarter backers, as this is one of the core claims of evil that he's making against the game. It kind of makes sense that he wants there to be no question that the evil actually occurs. Uh, again, to short-circuit him and to go on the frickin' offensive for once, CIG should probably announce that any Kickstarter backer that wants their money back can have it. It would not only knock over one of the central pillars of DS strategy, it would be a PR move of epic proportions. The community has shown time and time again that we believe in the project. Now CIG needs to turn around and show that they believe in the community. Maybe by the time the show is released, that announcement will have been made. Maybe. See, I think that that is a good idea. However, what they've actually done, as we reported, uh, was it last week? They just updated the terms of service, and if you signed in to play Arena Commander 1.3, you're now agreeing to the new release date, even if you're a Kickstarter backer. Yes, but they don't have to actively enforce that if they don't want to. Oh, no, no, of course not. It's it's all, like, better part of discretion. And, and let's be frank, how many of those original Kickstarter backers do you think are going to line up for refunds? Oh, oh, we have one here. We do? Hey, Jeff. What? If CIG said, hey, everybody that backed on the original, you know, golden ticket time, if you want your money back because you're, you're mad at us, here you go. Let me put this as succinctly as possible. Oh, hell no. I didn't think so. I would imagine that your sentiment is the overwhelmingly popular one. I would imagine that if they said, hey, hey, you people that first learned about this and were super excited about it in, in 2012, if you want your money back, we'll give it back to you. I bet the line for that would be really short. If this had gone nowhere... And it was still being talked about and we saw screenshots of, you know, work in progress and, the, you know, the community wasn't very active. And, you know, kind of like Perpetual was back in the... Never mind. I don't want to... Right. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then my tune would be different. I think that we're playing alphabets, we're, we're actively testing, we're logging into game code, things are, you know, we, we've got their own citizen con. I mean, come on. I mean, not... There was no STO con, you know? Yeah, I think your your point is, is exactly the one that needs to be brought up here. Other companies, other games, if they were not forthcoming with what their status was, I think it would be a different story. But I think this group of backers, this community, the unique makeup of people that backed in that original 2012 Kickstarter would not be lining up around the block for their money back. And let's also be frank here. It was $2 million out of the 93 that they've actually raised. Right. Right. So even if every single one of them lined up, that's, you know, 3%, 4% of the actual money that was raised. Now, it would be a huge hit to the current bank account, whatever that is, but not everyone's going to take them up on it. Yeah. A tiny, tiny fraction. Yeah, a tiny fraction. And the PR that they would, re would reap from this would be enormous. And it would knock the stuffing out of one of Smart Central claims. You know, I look at it this way, too. I, I may not be happy or satisfied that 
things are progressing the way they go, but I'm not going to drop a lawsuit because of it. Things don't go according to schedule. Nothing does. I mean, not any software release I've ever been seen or involved with has ever gone according to a schedule. Ever. And this week's community question, do you think the flight model changes will add delays to the project, or do you think that actually they've had this in the pipeline for a while now and everything will be fine? Let us know your thoughts, send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com, or post on our show thread over at the Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's check out Dharma's training course on species relations and cultural sensitivity in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Thank you for viewing this updated Dharma Mining Company training course on species, relations, and cultural sensitivity. The Dharma brand is built on being open and available to all, regardless of species, occupation, or citizenship status. Keeping that view alive is the responsibility of all employees, from the miners up to the CEO. Let's listen to a friendly Dharma mining foreman tell us more. Hello, Dharma employee and or independent contractor. In and around the UEE, tensions are running high due to the recent Vandul hostilities. It is important to recognize that the Vandul are an individual species that is not uniquely hostile to the UEE. In addition to the UEE proper, they are hostile towards the Banu, Tamarin, most of the Xian, that other race the Xian won't tell us about, non-citizen humans, humans in active rebellion against the UEE, humans wanted by the UEE, and humans in Quarterdeck. They are absolutely impartially hostile to everyone. Such hostility is of course a serious threat to workplace safety. Any imminent Vandul threat must be reported to your supervisors immediately. However, it is important to positively identify any ships before reporting a threat. I'm here with Dharma Space Traffic Controller 439. Um, Elton? Uh, Edward? Right, Elwood. Please explain why a positive ID is so important. That's right. Dharma employees and or independent contractors. Identifying ships accurately is important. One traffic controller thought he saw a Vandal cruiser and called the defense contractors. The substandard contractors locked torpedoes on the ship at long range and destroyed it. Unfortunately, the ship was actually a Banu merchantman. The incident cost Dharma thousands of credits for the shipment and put a multi-million credit contract at risk. Oh dear, Elwood, that sounds terrible for the company. Are there any other mistakes good employees and contractors should avoid? Why, yes, Mr. Foreman. There's also novelty Vandul ships available to the public, such as the Esperia Glaive. One former employee thought a wing of three glaives was the knockoffs and didn't bother to check his IFF scanner. The Hall E freighter he was on was quickly destroyed and millions of tons of ore was lost in interstellar space. He let Dharma down. Each of every one of us have to make sure we don't let the company down. All right, you are, Elvin. While the Vandul are hostile, it is important to remember that the UEE has cordial relations with all other known races. The Banu are consistent and valued customers. Dharma is in negotiations with several prominent Jian firms, and the Tavarin are well-adjusted non-citizen members of the UEE who are cleared for employment in Dharma's high-risk mining and prospecting sites. To help in guiding interactions, the Dharma Mining Company Mostly Human Resources Division has provided employees and or independent contractors with helpful scripts. These standard phrases are approved for all interpersonal communications. 
Let's listen to a friendly Dharma mining foreman tell us more. This is acceptable language when greeting a Tavaran employee. Hello, fellow employee. This is unacceptable language when greeting a Tavaran employee. Hey, how's being conquered treating y'all? This is acceptable language when greeting a Banu contractor. Welcome. Thank you for helping us make Dharma great. This is unacceptable language when greeting a Banu contractor. Hey, y'all trade with everyone, right? You got any exotic merchandise? This is acceptable language when greeting a Jian representative. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. I hope you find Dharma as enjoyable a company as we do. This is unacceptable language when greeting a Jian representative. So, uh, what's the big secret with all them alien dudes on the far side of your space anyways? If you have any further questions about these policies, feel free to ask your supervisor during one of your weekly performance evaluations. We hope this course has helped in highlighting the importance of maintaining positive relationships with all affiliated species. Remember, every thinking being is a potential customer, and customers pay Dharma Mining Company. And as long as you fully comply with Dharma policies, the company pays your wages. Descriptions of Vandal aggression based on recent UEE combat and incursion data does not imply a lack of desire or willingness to accept Vandal customers. Potential negotiators should contact Dharma's legal maneuvering department. Solicitation of Vandal business does not imply support for Vandal aggression, nor constitute commentary on the views of the UEE Navy in general, or on Admiral Bishop in particular. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say the door hits him on the butt when he arrives, and that he must be invited out in order to leave your house. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Alright, last week's community question, are we betraying a sacred trust? Is a format change long overdue? Want to make sure the door hits us on the way out? Several tons of feedback this week, or for kohlrabi in the metric system, so the Shiv got out his Alaskan Ulu knife and cut up the feedback into smaller pieces to fit into the feedback stew, with room to mix in with the metaphors. But rest assured, the team has read all of the feedback in advance in full. So to start us out, Schmunkel98 says, I say the nay to changing the format. Stay focused on Star Citizen. This is one of the very few groups that covers the game that I can count on to not blindly accept everything they hear and see from CIG as sprinkled with awesomeness and actually give a real opinion. Sean, the voice new boy, says, Wonderful show, everyone. As for adding more content, wonderful. I would love to learn both about others I haven't looked at and what's coming down the tubes. Kylan says, If you feel the need to have a format change to stay fresh and relevant, then I'd say go for it. I, however, listen for Star Citizen content. A mention or a nod to other games or space in general is interesting, but if I wanted to know about other games, I would look for shows that cover those already. Someone whose name begins with a 2 and ends with about 20 zeros after it says, Star Citizen or GTFO, bros? Smiley face. Winky face. Winky face. It's four in the morning, I don't care. (laughs) Kinnix says, as a space game fan in general, I welcome a broader coverage. As a backer of Star Citizen, I hope Star Citizen coverage won't suffer from it. And Cyril writes in and says, I'm a space sim fan in general, so at first glance I'm all for format change. Then it hit me. One, I love space sims. Two, space sims take money to buy. Three, if I hear about more space sims, I want to buy them. Maybe it's time for a Kickstarter for a wallet retention device that has a little microphone and will disable your ability to go to PayPal or type in a credit card number for 48 hours after hearing any games mentioned in a podcast. (laughs) Tabascoid says, if you want to cover other space and sci-fi games, that's cool. Important is that you guys have fun with the podcast production and not let it become a burden. 
KJL, it's not Kanji, Taiwan, says, I listen to this podcast for your commentary and perspective on one game only, and that's Star Citizen. This podcast is you guys' passion project, though, and once that passion isn't there anymore, the project should change course. I'll still drop in from time to time, though, if you have something to say about Star Citizen. Also, I'm part of your in-game org. I look forward to meeting you all in the verse. Flint, the Dr. Nefario. Your shows are always good, and I'm excited to know your next 100 shows will cover even more space sims. Great change. Ryokan says, as for the community question, it's your podcast, do what you want. I'll listen until I stop enjoying it. There are other games, some I don't care about, and will likely close the browser tab if you focus on one of them, but if Star Citizen only isn't fun for you, do what you have to do. Sayoldian says, well, what to say? First, I love your show, not just because of the Star Citizen content, but because you guys are entertaining and give intelligent commentary about Star Citizen and its development. Although I don't share the same concerns as you guys regarding development, since I have no clue, as most of us don't, as to what it takes to develop a game, I can see how you guys are getting a little long in the tooth about Star Citizen. Tim, Space Engineer Simmons. I think the new format would be a good idea. Patrick says, thank you for continually producing what has truly become the best damn space sim podcast ever. You guys do a fantastic job, and I've enjoyed listening to the show for over a year now. You guys have been a beacon of sanity and enthusiasm in the deep black of uncertainty and naysaying. As an avid backer with my own, I'm going to say it, concerns and impatience with the process, I found your discussion of the controversy to be level-headed and enthusiastic. Peter says, I love listening to your show, but it seems you guys have fallen victim of the bitter old vet syndrome before the game is even released. It's sad that despite the huge progress being made with massive star maps and star systems being shown and Star Citizen 2.0 around the corner, you guys can't find a ray of sunshine, but continue to gripe on details or concerns. Since you'd like to go further in detail on other games more than you did before, I'll be canceling my pledge from now on. Robbie O'Brien says, thanks for the heads up on the format change and the opportunity to cancel a pledge, but you're nuts. It's never going to happen. I listen to Guard Frequency and Priority One for the interesting, insightful, and downright frank discussions on the game develop process and the wider Star Citizen world. I can only see things getting better with expansion in the wider Space Sim world. Magni says, upon reading this, reflecting on the place that Guard Frequency has in my entertainment rotation and what the change in focus will do to the show, I have just doubled my recurring pledge amount. Will Noggle says, first let me say I love the show. You have become my go-to show for Star Citizen precisely due to the fact you present a reasonable position. I completely support the broadening of the show and have decided to back you on Patreon because of this announcement. Can't wait for the new format. Keep up the good work. Michael Nolan, I think that changing over to all Space Sims game podcasts is a great idea. This way, when Redacted becomes threatened by new and existing space games, we'll be on top of his efforts to remain relevant and diss every possible player that his game needs. (laughs) Chris says, I appreciate y'all's candidness, but I was donating my money for a Star Citizen podcast. You guys did a great job bringing me news in an entertaining format. It's understandable to get burnt out, but citing the recent silliness seems dramatic. I plan to listen to a show or two when the switch happens, but honestly, I'm not interested in other space sims at the moment. Thanks for the fun times. Titus the List Krager says, Your podcast is my primary means of unbiased information on Star Citizen. I do not have the luxury of time or bandwidth resources to take in all the information out there on Star Citizen. I can't afford to lose your format on Star Citizen. Having said that, it's clear you're tired of regurgitating the same key issues and the perspective solutions. Not much changes until the job is done. You've postulated that FPS is the guts of the project, but Tony, you're wrong again. Cutting two sentences sooner would have been better, but we had to keep the Tony you're wrong in there bit. Obviously, I mean, that's that's necessary. Fortune says, I get it, I really do. Having to deal with so much drama from social media and one particularly vitriolic internet troll... 
has got to be absolutely draining. I don't blame you guys for wanting a little breathing room given the current circumstances. I think we need your excitement as much as your level-headedness. These attributes more than counterbalance the mob of voices on the internet. Amontillado says betraying a sacred trust? No. Format change overdue? No. Let the doorknob hit you where the good lord split you? <laughs> nope. I can't help but think that perhaps a certain campaign of negativity has succeeded at least in part. Some self-centered delusional man has managed to substantially change something that I enjoy in a manner that I would not have chosen. I don't like it when the bad guys win, particularly when it costs me. Anyway, thanks for what you do. While I'm not happy about the change, I can certainly understand it. Drezu says, I like the idea of covering more space sims. There seems to be a reemergence of space sim games, and covering them makes sense to me. Adon says, good show, everyone. You asked for us to give it to you, so here it is. Sometimes, how critical you are of the game or choices being made makes me dislike listening to the podcast, and that's exactly why I like listening to the podcast. I have three or four other podcasts that I listen to that extol the virtues of Star Citizens ignore any potential problems. As a fan of Star Citizen, it's easy for me to go into the echo chamber mode and only listen to the opinions that I agree with. I appreciate the service you give to the community by giving a voice to the things that do need to be said. I'll be here listening. Ken Hashtags from Chicago says, What the frell is this? You're expanding your coverage beyond Star Citizen? How dare you expand beyond your first goals? Clearly, there needs to be a congressional investigation of Atgard Freak. First, hashtag descalergate, then Jumakum joins Twitter, and now this. I like mugs says, can you give us a bit more information on the format change? Not sure I really understood how it might be changing. Smiley face. So the format change is basically, rather than just covering Star Citizen, we're going to be throwing the net a little bit wider, looking at games like Elite Dangerous, No Man's Sky, uh, and a multitude of other space sims that you care to name. Infinity the, Battlescape, we might look at Rebel Galaxy, yeah. you know, it just, we haven't decided where the line will be drawn, but space is a good place to start. We're still in the process behind the scenes of discussing what might be in and what might be out as far as our coverage goes. But we're not leaving Star Citizen behind. Clearly, oh, no. it's in. <laughs> Clearly, it falls within our, our, our ambit there. Yeah, uh, and it is one of the more prominent space games being developed. So I wouldn't be surprised if most weeks didn't contain some Star Citizen news. Right. Um, and the format change isn't really, you know, the show is still going to run in the same sort of order. So you're going to have intro, squawk box, a new segment. We're going to do feedback. There's going to be some sort of in-universe fiction. It's just that we're going to just talk about other games in addition to Star Citizen. Right. We're widening the scope, casting the net wider, as Liz Lemon said. Overall, you know, we, we watched the feedback very closely all week long. Yeah. We watched our, our Patreon channel for uh, messages from backers, and we put some of them here in the feedback section. Overall, the response has been pretty positive. No, overall, the response was positive. Even, even people that weren't terribly pleased about the change were classy about it. So I just want to say that Guard Frequency has probably the classiest podcast audience that I have ever seen ever. You're used to a certain level of forum troll nastiness with video game type stuff, and I am just really, really pleased with the level of feedback that we got and the tone of it. So give yourselves a pat on the back out there, Guard Frequency audience. Stay classy. And and for those of you commenting on the whole, uh, you know, uh, Derek Smart thing, I, you know, even in our change of coverage, when he does something, we're still going to talk about him. We're not running away from him, and he hasn't depressed us. We're displeased that he's doing what he's doing, but that's not the real reason that's doing it. He may have been a contributing factor for the timing, 
He's not why this is happening. You know, this has been under discussion behind the scenes for months with our Priority One team. And at the same time, over on our other show, they're broadening their scope from just Star Trek Online to Star Trek in general. This is strategic for us, for both the shows. And it's something that we want to do to get more people listening to a quality produced podcast. There are lots of podcasts out there where people just record random talking on YouTube and then they just splat it out there and that's that's a podcast. We like to think we have a level of craftsmanship to ours and we want more people to expect more from a volunteer labor of love type show. And we think that this is a good way to get that audience a little broader. Um, and we hope you come with us and spread the word to people that maybe don't like Star Citizen or haven't taken the plunge to say, hey, you like those other games, give these guys a listen because they're going to be talking about the games that you play. Okay, and general feedback, and Brock says there's plenty of stuff that they could show us that would make us happy. Every leak we've had proves that making an open development is a relative term. It's just giving CIG the benefit of the doubt. There are reasons large portions of the internet have verbally abandoned this game, and the only reason large gaming and entertainment websites haven't is because their user base is now defending it rapidly instead of crucifying rapidly. As a guy who hasn't and won't abandon this game, I will quote the words of a guy who put over $50,000 into this game. It's not hard to realize why people are so critical of Star Citizen. I hope you never quit doing what you are doing. Silent Hunter says, Bring some people from Priority 1 over for your skits to increase the range of voices heard. Would be interesting to hear them as well, in particular female voices. I do agree that we should probably get some more voices for our skits because Jeff tends to ruin his throat whenever he tries to do another voice, so it might be a good idea yeah. to ask some of those. And Priority One has some interesting characters on it. And one of the things we want to do with our format changes actually is is bring on other people. So if anybody knows anybody that's particularly enthusiastic about a particular other game in this genre in this area that wants to become a contributor to Guard Frequency, hey, you know, we're not hiding. Get us an email. Especially women. This is no surprise to anybody, but Priority One improved greatly when Cookie replaced me. It was something that we really wanted and it was important and we thought that having women on a game podcast would be a good thing and it was unequivocally a good thing. But and, I, I, uh, don't, uh, I don't think it was because of her voice, Tony. I think it was because of you leaving. Well, I was going to let you guys go ahead and do that. That was a low-hanging <laughs> fruit that I was going to let somebody just you know take a swing at. You're welcome. But then you guys are all stuck with me on this show. <laughs> I didn't even have Elijah to stop me. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, if there are listeners out there or if you know of a gamer who happens to be female that wants to work on a podcast with the likes of us, get them in touch with us. We'd love to have a voice that doesn't necessarily come slathered with testosterone like us manly folks here already. Evangel says, development hasn't really been all that open this year. That is true. But isn't that because most of what's been worked on has been networking and backend support? Squadron 42 content likewise cannot be influenced because most of us don't like spoilers. Once Arena Commander 2.0 and Star Marine becomes available, I think that development will open up much more. Bear with, this will be the darkest year of Star Citizen. The brightest are yet to come. As always, great podcast, guys. I love how you all can be critical and yet respectful and hopeful. Stay the course. Big smiley face. Our new Patreons this week are no one. Sad face. And the winners of a brand new patch is Thomas Westman. And a reminder of this week's community question. Do you think the flight model changes will add delays? Or has this been in the pipeline a while and it's going to be smooth sailing? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Would we win best dressed at a Halloween party? Or was it obvious that our costume was a black bedazzled bin liner? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. 
Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 95 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 96 on November 10th. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com and be sure to let us know if you're interested in producing or contributing to other segments on other games. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Be sure to check them out at priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 11pm Central, that's Saturdays at 5am GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders, and Simon Charlton Edwards, and our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and to our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. 2330, Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Specifically, it wants to launch a series of missions to bring home a piece of an asteroid in December 2020. Oh, <coughs> excuse me, almost made it through that sentence. I like Space Sims. But you forgot the numbers. Oh, one. I like Space Sims. Space Sims take money to buy. You forgot the number again. Uh, one, I like start Space with Sims. Then it hit me. Then it start, so, Two, slow, Space Sims take down. money to buy. Three, if I hear... Time out. Time out. Slow down. Whoa. Easy. Woohoo. Easy there. Easy there, Trigger. <laughs> All right. Start with then it hit me and make sure you read the numbers on the list. Go. I did that. I can't hear you do that. Well, you're not listening. That's right. <laughs> Quit being a lawyer for a moment and just, you know, just be a gamer. Hmm? No, no, it's, it's, I, uh, it was, I was running the, okay, audio note, cut all this because it just didn't go as <laughs> I planned. My, the joke I was making was that the soon that we've been used to using on the TM uh, is, is always been development, like, you know, whenever you want. But soon, TM is, is usually used to tease something that we think is going to happen sometime soon that we're going to see. But recently with Star Citizen, it's, they'd say soon, and then we never see it, and that was the joke, but it's not funny. Oh, well, uh, and I'm going to stop that over again. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. Because there's an A, which I read as ah, and then it's, but it should be adding, so it should be adding. And, add, and so you got to hit, hit the reset button in my brain. Here we go. And the last bit of news... And the last bit of news dropped this week. Mm. 
my... See, an American wrote this I know, stuff, and now the British guy's having trouble. I know, the British guy's having trouble. It's because I can't picture how the phrase should sound. That didn't make sense, but it made sense to me. I know how to picture sound. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me. That yeah. sounds great. That's awesome. Jeff, would you survive an end of the universe blast? Oh, well, that's the real question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes, I would survive the end of the universe uh, okay. blast. You exist outside of space and time. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, apparently the Big Bang was caused by Jeff just having a little bit too much Metamucil that morning. And uh, well, well, you see, there are Time Lords and then there are Time Kings. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, you're the step above. Well, well, well. All right. Did you just get possessed by the spirit fantastic. of Yogi Bear? <laughs> Where has that been for the last 95 episodes, Jeff? Where's that been? You've been holding out on us. You've been holding back. I just thought, you know, I'd try something new. What about a little enrage?